My name is Craig. I'm the other Craig. I'm Craig Greenfield. And I like to say that I'm an outsider who helps insiders become alongsiders. And as you can tell from my accent, I was born um, right here in Canada, <laughs> in Red Deer, Alberta. Um, but I grew up in New Zealand. And I've spent most of my adult life uh, in the slums of Cambodia, 15 years. Um, but in between and halfway through that, I spent seven years um, in the downtown east side right here in Vancouver. And we established a Christian community down there on East Hastings Street um, that some of you know as servants. Well, um, as I said, I'm an outsider everywhere I go, um, and this is a photo of my family. I'm even an outsider in my own family. I look like a white guy photobombing an Asian family. Um, <laughs> I promise that is actually my family. Uh, but we have a very special relationship with 10th. As Ken said, 10th is one of the founding partners of Alongside Us, now in 25 countries. And we ask young Christians around the world to make a simple but powerful commitment to walk alongside those who walk alone. And um, that movement, that discipleship relationship is so powerful. Young alongsiders like Rachel in Malawi. And I asked Rachel, Rachel, how did you choose your little sister? And Rachel said, Craig, my, my village is notorious for trafficking and prostitution. When I heard this alongsider's vision, I went back to my house to pray and ask God who I should choose as my little sister. And while I was praying, I looked out my window and I saw a little girl named Esther. And her family were teaching her how to dance seductively for men. She says, Craig, in that moment, I knew that Esther should be my little sister. And I began walking alongside her. I helped her get back into school. I invited her into the church community, that community of support and relationship. And this was a few years ago. So last week I wrote to Rachel and said, how's Esther doing? And Rachel said, Craig, Esther has just finished high school and she wants to study to become a nurse. From a life of certain abuse, to a life of being able to bring healing to other people. That's the kind of transformation that we see through these types of alongsiders relationship. And we actually have a vision to reach 50,000 and transform 50,000 children and youth by the year 2025. We're almost at 20,000 now. But would you pray with us and partner with us to help us reach 50,000 in the next three years? Well, for 2022, God has laid on my heart a word for the Western church. And it's something that in many ways not only comes from God, but also the churches and the, the alongsiders and the Christians of Asia and Africa. In fact, I was going to be preaching one morning and the night before I woke up with three words kind of rolling around in my head. Those words are stage to table. Stage to table. An invitation for you as part of the Western church as we emerge 
from COVID. It's an invitation to move beyond the stage, beyond the consumeristic approach to faith where we take, where we focus only on performance, and we move beyond that. We move deeper than that into real relationships, the kind of relationships that will take place around a table, a table perhaps laden with food and feasting and fine wine or cheap wine or grape juice, if that's your thing, but real relationships, not to give up meeting together on a Sunday morning or Sunday night, but to not allow that to be the sum total of our faith, And as we press into this idea of what will it take to have a resilient faith, I believe that these types of real relationships are going to be very crucial. Because we see it in the life of Jesus, don't we? The Word became flesh. Jesus left the most exclusive gated community in the universe and came down to live amongst us, to eat with us to walk with us, to live with us. He could have, he could have fed the 5,000 with bread rolls from the sky. He could have healed disabled people with thunderbolts from the sky, but instead he chose another way. Not an arm's length way, but a way of joining together with us in real life, in real relationships. The longest study of human life ever conducted is called the Harvard Study of Adult Development. They took 724 children and youth and they followed them year after year, decade after decade, right through to the ages of 80 and 90. Many of them have now passed away. It was the longest study ever conducted. The researchers found that one factor more than any other made a bigger difference in terms of well-being and how much people were thriving, even how healthy they were, physically speaking. And that factor was social connectedness. In other words, relationships. In fact, the researchers found that isolation and loneliness was absolutely toxic in a person's life. Now think about that as we emerge from COVID, as we emerge from the pandemic years. What has that done to our relationships? Are there things that we need to reclaim and rebuild and perhaps even go further than ever before? Because real relationships don't just happen. We know that now. So we're going to look this morning at one of the most famous relationships in history, the relationship between David and his best friend, Jonathan. Now, we all know that David and Jonathan were friends, but did you know that Jonathan was probably at least 10 years older than David? So I like to say that Jonathan was David's alongsider. Jonathan was David's alongsider. And we're going to look at the story of the last time that they ever met. The last time they met. Reading from 1 Samuel chapter 23. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. 
And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. And then Jonathan went home. But David remained at Horish. Let's pray and ask God to illuminate this passage for us. Father God, this relationship was significant. Would you shine your light on it this morning? Would you speak through your word? Would you speak through scripture? Your invitation this morning and open our hearts, open our ears and our eyes to what you want to say this morning. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So as we emerge from COVID, this is what we need to recapture. As we press into a resilient faith, we're going to need to rebuild our relationships in three ways. And the first word that I want to speak to you, the first way, is a word that I want to speak out over the church, and it's the word courage. Because I believe that courage is contagious. And uh, when we look at this passage in verse 16, it says, Jonathan went to David at Horish. Just sounds like a normal visit. A couple of buddies getting together. But in actual fact, we know that this was in the context of Saul, Jonathan's father, trying to murder David. He was literally trying to hunt him down and kill him. And we know that Saul was a particularly brutal and violent man because just chapters earlier in chapter 14, Saul had actually tried to kill his own son, Jonathan, for accidentally eating some honey in the forest. It was only when Jonathan's men had the courage to stand up in the face of Saul that Saul backed off. And that courage perhaps was contagious because Jonathan then goes down to David to spread courage to David. And we need, to, we need this kind of contagious courage. We need to capture it from somewhere. You know, for many of us in the Western world, COVID may have been the first time that we really truly grappled with real fear and danger. And now it's not just COVID, is it? We've got Russia threatening nuclear war. We've got climate change. In fact, I would venture to say that fear levels are at an all-time high. Fear levels are high. We're on high alert. And there's a temptation, isn't there, to hunker down, to build our castle to protect our family, to dig a deeper moat around our castle. You guys feel that temptation? I know I do. And so perhaps this morning, God is wanting to stir in us some courage. Nelson Mandela once said, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear. So it's not that we're going to stop being fearful but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. 
Where can we get courage from? Perhaps I can stir a little bit up from amongst the alongsiders. You know, a few months ago, I actually got a phone call from someone, a very wealthy person, in fact, who said, Craig, can you help me buy a piece of land in Cambodia? And I want to build an airstrip. And I said, um, what, do you, what are you wanting to do that for? And he said, well, the world is turning to chaos. The world is crumbling around us. We need a place, me and my friends with resources, need a place to get away, to escape. And my heart broke. My heart broke because as followers of Jesus, we're not called to to run away. We're not called to just build our castle around ourselves. We're called to be filled with faith and courage. To be filled with faith and courage. For my neighbours in the slums where we live, your greatest fear is the bulldozers. Oh, those would come and evict, and my family and neighbours have been evicted from slums twice over the last 15 years. And in fact, uh, one of those young women who is being evicted, her name is Depvani, and her and four other young women being evicted from their slum, they, they dragged their wooden beds into the middle of the busiest intersection in Cambodia. You can just imagine the traffic grinding to a gridlock stop and the horns honking as people become incensed. And these young women cried out and said, we have no place to lay our head, and so we will lay them here. And before long, you heard the sound of the, the boots of the soldiers coming running, wearing motorcycle helmets of all things to bundle up those women into a van and drag them off to prison. The courage of those young women stirs courage in me to want to be in solidarity with those who are suffering, with those who are being oppressed and downtrodden. It gives me perspective. And it helps, doesn't it, to have perspective on what we face and what the world is going through in many, many places. It stirs courage. And perhaps that need for courage is not necessarily this moment or a blaze of glory where you'll be carted off by jack-booted soldiers, but maybe it's just those everyday decisions to keep going, to persevere, to not give up on that other person, to have courage the little unseen things. At Shalom Valley at the camp, which 10th has helped build in Cambodia in conjunction with the Longsiders, these beautiful smiles as they come together and celebrate their Longsider little brother-sister relationship. Well, I was at a camp last year and one of the Longsiders gets up to tell a testimony and she's a little short girl. She's in the, in the photo there, uh, about five foot high. And she says, my little sister has an announcement to make. Come on up, come on up. So her little sister comes up very shyly and takes the microphone. And she says, I, used to, I didn't used to be taller than my alongside her. I started out here. But she has had the courage to walk alongside me for six years 
Through all of my ups and downs, she has given me strength. Her courage was contagious. And this little sister said, today, I've got an announcement to make because I just turned 16. And the good news is that means I'm old enough to be coming alongside her myself. And they embraced in that moment and we burst into applause because we celebrate whenever we see courage and faith and perseverance bubbling up. That's the courage that we need to simply keep going, to persevere. All right, so we've had courage. We know that one thing that we need to reclaim is courage. Well, the second thing is perhaps even harder for many of us, and that is vulnerability. Vulnerability. In verse 17, Jonathan says these words to David. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And I can imagine that those words may have been spoken with an arm around the shoulder, even like a tear in the eye. It takes vulnerability for David to say to Jonathan, I'm scared. I'm scared. It takes vulnerability for Jonathan to respond with vulnerability and say, don't be afraid, my friend. Don't be afraid. There can be no real relationships without being real. There just can't be. There's not a real relationship unless we are able to be real with someone. And paradoxically, God uses that realness. He often uses us in our weakness, in our vulnerability. He will often use us in that very position. In fact, the scripture says God uses the weak to shame the strong. That's not how the world is structured. But I draw courage from those alongside us, many of them living in slums and villages. Well, my deepest, darkest point of weakness was right here in this city. Ten years ago, as I'm sitting across the desk from my doctor as he gives me the diagnosis of cancer, I went home that night reeling, crying out to God, saying, God, I've given my life for vulnerable children, the fatherless. Are you now telling me that my own children become, could become fatherless? And in the way of God, he very often doesn't answer our questions, does he? But he asks us another question back. And I felt like God was asking me, Craig, if you only have five years left on this earth, what would you do with those five years? It's a good question to ask yourself. Don't wait until you've got cancer. Before you ask that question, what would you do if you only had five years left on this earth? And for me, I knew that aside from, of course, being with my family, I wanted to pour out my life for the most vulnerable children in the world. It was in those moments that the vision for Alongsiders International beyond Cambodia was born. We've seen absolutely explosive growth, especially over COVID. Interestingly enough, in our weakest, God is on the move. He's doing powerful, powerful things. Right here in the downtown east side, we see, we saw this in effect with our own children. As we walk down the road on East Hastings Street, you'll hear, if you're with children, you'll hear these words, four words. 
Kids on the block. Kids on the block. Kids on the block. And people start putting away their crack pipes and their needles and they, start, they stop fighting and stop swearing until the kids are off the block. We got to one particular block and there was a bit of a scuffle going on and they were pushing and shoving and swearing. One guy pushed back, turns around, sees our two kids there. He turns back to the other guy, gives him an almighty shove and says, shut up, man, can't you see there's kids on the block? It's incredible, the kind of impact that the most vulnerable people in that situation could have. Transformation, even if just for a few minutes in a way that the police very often can't even have. See, that's the paradox of how God works in this world. Very often it's not through the powerful and the mighty. It's through those who are willing to humble themselves and be vulnerable. And in fact, that's what it will take to reclaim our relationships is vulnerability. And this is kind of levels of vulnerability that many of us are uncomfortable with. Well, let me, let me encourage you with an insight about how Jesus was vulnerable. See, Jesus had different levels of vulnerability, actually. He had the crowds. He had the 120. And then he had a special level of vulnerability with the 12. And even within the 12, Jesus had the three that he was very close to. And even within the three, there was one guy, John, that he was particularly close and vulnerable with. So we follow the Jesus who wept, who was vulnerable. But I want to ask you this morning, who are your three? Who are your three? Do you have three that you can be particularly vulnerable with? particularly kind of deepen that relationship around the table. We've got to go beyond stage to table. That's what it's going to take to build a resilient faith in the years to come. Well, finally, we've talked about courage. We've talked about vulnerability. The third one is sacrifice. We see in verse 17, Jonathan says to David, you will be king over Israel and I will be second to you. Now just think about that for a second. This is Jonathan who's in line to sit on the throne. This is Jonathan, the son of the king, who is entitled to wear that crown, to hold all that power and all that wealth. And here he is laying it down for his friend and saying, I'll be second to you. You be king. In fact, this is, Jonathan doesn't know this, but this is the very last time that they will meet. Because later in chapter 31, Saul and Jonathan and his two brothers are all killed in battle. He laid down something that he never would have had anyway. He never would have had it. Very often that's the way of Jesus, isn't it? He says, those who want to grasp onto their lives will lose it, but those who lay down their lives will keep them. You know, right after that, alongside her, got up with her little sister at that camp. Another young man got up to share a testimony. He walked up to the front of the room by himself. And we knew why. 
He turned to look at us. He said, I'm here alone today. And most of you know why. Because two months ago, my little brother Nguyen was playing with his three friends, also little brothers in the Alongsiders movement. They were playing on the edge of the floodwaters and one of them fell into the water. And Nguyen, without giving a second thought, jumped in and managed to push his friend to safety. And then Nguyen was swept away in the floodwaters and we never found his body. And sat alongside her, wept. We gathered around him and we wept with him. We mourned that loss of life. And we vowed that wherever we tell the story of alongside us, we will tell the story of Nguyen because it captures something of the essence of what it takes to build a movement that will change the world in following Jesus. We follow the one who laid down his life for us. We follow him. And perhaps that's something of the reason why over the last 18 months, the movement doubled. Last year and this year, we are on track to double again. Because there's something powerful that takes place in the heavenlies when we realize we follow a Jesus who calls us to lay down our lives for our friends and our brothers and sisters. See, what I'm talking about here are not easy relationships. I'm not just talking about sitting in the pews on a Sunday. I'm talking about stage to table, kind of tables where real relationships take place. The kind of relationships that are marked by courage and vulnerability and sacrifice. In many ways, this is a difficult invitation. But it's an invitation that I believe the world needs. If we want to see real resilient faith, if we want to see real transformation, if we want to see transformation of this city. Four years ago, the last time I was in Vancouver, I was in the downtown east side in our community house and I was sharing about alongsiders around the world with my friends, many of whom had experienced homelessness and addiction and mental health issues and prostitution. And there was a young woman sitting there with pink hair, and she had been through all of those things. She had lived a, a horrific life. She looked at me with tears in her eyes and she said, Craig, maybe if I'd had an alongsider when I was a little girl, my life would have turned out differently. The city is crying out for alongsiders. This very church there's a church full of alongsiders. I love how you come alongside refugees from Afghanistan, people who are struggling with homelessness, all kinds of ways, but it doesn't have to be anything spectacular. It could just be the person you know needs a friend. And scripture says that Jonathan helped David find strength in God. Would you be that person for someone else? Would you help them to find strength in God? And perhaps in doing so, 
you will also find strength in God. Let's pray. Father God, we live in a chaotic world. But you are not calling us to simply build up our castles and dig our moats. You're calling us to be stirred with faith, resilient faith, that comes as a result of steps of courage, moments of vulnerability, and tiny acts of sacrifice. Lord God, would you stir those within us because we simply don't have the resources in and of ourselves. We need your Holy Spirit to stir them within us. All of these things come from you. And so pour out your love on us today. And may we be the alongsiders this world needs. In Jesus' name, amen.